Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends and tactics from some of the world's most innovative minds in music. I'm artist manager and consultant, Jordan Williams. And I'm Sam Heisel, co-founder of the music marketing and content production agency, Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Mr. Jordan Williams. Mr. Sam Hassel. What's happening? How are we feeling today? Happy lockdown. Chilling, man. It's, it's, yeah, it's 80 degrees today, man. It's it's a, it's a good day. Bro, I How did a... You, uh, it was good, man. Yesterday was Memorial Day. I did like the super long workout, stretched, did a 20-minute meditation, and then listened to it right after my 20-minute meditation while still lying in the sun. I, I had to throw on uh, that new gunner. I've been I've been loving that new gunner. Ain't no way to wrap up a meditation like uh, like some new gunner. <laughs> I ain't even to joking, really man. Get you in the mood it, of the it, meditation. It, 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 it sounds funny, bro, but feigning, feigning by gunner. That song goes so hard. But <laughs> we digress. Uh, very excited to have our guest on today, Mr. Timothy Collins. Tim is the uh, is a co-founder and helps run the company Creed Creed Media. Creed. Uh, is one of the kind of best companies in the music business whenever it comes to running TikTok influencer campaigns, as well as helping accelerate growth across other social profiles. Uh, they're regularly running TikTok influencer campaigns for a lot of the world's biggest and most notable record labels. They have tons of relationships with different influencers. Uh, what I really enjoy about today's episode is uh, three things. First of all, I think a lot of artists are constantly evaluating whether or not it makes sense to run a TikTok influencer campaign. We see the the case studies like Lil Nas X and Old Town Road that have all of a sudden made TikTok influencer campaigns become one of the premier and go-to mechanisms for promoting music. So having Tim talk us through how you can do this on your own. I mean, if you're at a certain stage, hire Tim. If you're on your own, you need to roll up your sleeves to get the job done. Tim lays down the the, uh, the groundwork as to how you can approach these on your own. I think that's valuable. Another element of our conversation I enjoyed was the fact that we don't own, I think oftentimes record labels personally are over investing their efforts and focus on paying influencers to try and make a song go viral, but completely neglecting building up an artist's organic profile. It's like, we'll spend $10,000 on this TikTok influencer campaign, but our artist has posted one time in the past three months on that platform. Right. I think there's a very clear set of principles that you can use in order to, to grow on TikTok. And we also start to dive into some of those. The last thing, and this isn't even necessarily something we dive into in the episode, but it's just the reason why I'm so bullish on TikTok in general is that the platform has over 2 billion downloads. I think uh, it's not going anywhere. Social media platforms are very cyclical in nature they five ten years ago, Instagram was just a, a little twinkle in, in the social media consumer's eye, whereas Facebook was by it was hands down the most dominant platform. Now Instagram is is more relevant for young millennials than Facebook is. Um, I think in, uh, TikTok is 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 largely best suited to be next up, and beyond that, beyond being a, the opportunity to be an early mover and kind of grow with the platform, is just the way discoverability works on TikTok. Their algorithm and the, the way in which they surface content to you is much more based on algorithmic recommendations than it is on your social feed and your social circle, which is why on the, the kind of the home page on TikTok is a for you page, not necessarily who you're actually following. And because of that, 
relative to any other social platform, it's relatively easier to go viral on TikTok. And there's been a lot more instances and it's, 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 if you're trying to go viral on any social platform, hands down, the easiest platform to go viral on is TikTok. So I, I think it makes sense to aggressively tackle that platform for those reasons. And super excited to dive into this with, uh, with Tim. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, definitely agree with everything you just said. I'm also, also, you know, really like the interview. And I, I know other people will too, just because of the mindset that Tim has going into it. He kind of told us from the jump, you know, that I'm not a TikTok um, marketer. I'm the marketer of whatever's hot. Like I'm the marketer of whatever technology is really going to push my client brands forward. Um, and the fact that he he did choose TikTok says a lot. So I'm glad that we can get really tactical in this episode and actually go through a couple of campaigns that he's that he's done so our audience can see, you know, how to how to get started on that platform. Yeah, for sure. Well, super grateful to have Tim on. Uh, very excited to get going. So without any further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. Tim, what's happening, man? How are we doing? Yeah, good. Good, good, good. How are you doing? We're doing well, man. Very excited to, to have you on. Um, dive into all things TikTok, man. So I uh, yeah. <laughs> definitely love what you guys are doing. It's been a pleasure to kind of see a lot of the impact you guys have created. Um, can you, be, before even diving deep into a lot of the, the specific platform and, and strategies, tactics, can you just talk a little bit about your background and how you kind of got into the music industry and the, the world of marketing? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, my journey into the music industry started in like 2014, I think, or 15. I don't really remember. But um, basically, I, I used to play a lot of music myself. Um, like I was a guitar player, like traveling with the band and stuff. And then on the side of that, I was like helping my brother out with like management stuff. Um, and then we ended up in a bad management situation with him having an external manager because I was just like a kid back then. Um, and we relied on him and that ended up becoming like a really weird situation. So um, seeing uh, what happens when someone uh, is in charge of your brand um, and your plan, like career plans uh, and not going the direction that you um, intended it to go, I sort of stepped in and was like, yeah, I'm just going to help out with the management part here instead and, and let's do it ourselves. Um, and when doing that and trying to learn the management stuff, I ended up getting an internship at a management company in Sweden called Athlete Management, um, which is like the management floor, like the big Swedish EDM guy. So like Avicii, Axel Grosso, I don't know, it's like all the guys uh, coming from Sweden um, in the EDM scene. Uh, and then when I was there, um, I sort of accidentally ended up working social media for them because they were like, oh, you're 18. You're like the bridge to the youth. But, like, can you just handle all that social media <laughs> the, the yeah. Rest of the youth. <laughs> yeah exactly they're like yeah you're 18 so you know what 18 18 year old kids want to see um so i ended up like doing that and then after like a year's time um i got promoted to being like the head of digital strategies within that company um and at the side of that i started um like testing out different things on instagram and ended up building one of the biggest dance accounts uh, on instagram called goals of dancing together with a friend in the u.s um called Stefan. And uh, when I got into that space, I sort of understood uh, or started to grasp the, um, the power and the influence of big like media and culture pages and understanding the sort of like meme culture and how it was like this socially 
media Illuminati community sort of like controlling <laughs> the attention of, of Gen Z and millennials. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting into that, I got super interested in it and ended up leaving the company to start um, an agency um, called Creed together with um, my two partners, uh, Hugo LaPrince and Elliot Robinson, who's uh, been on this podcast before, of course, as well. Um, so uh, we started uh, discussing like which direction can we take this and what's the vision and ideas. And we came to the conclusion that we wanted to build a next generation um, media company um, and sort of focusing on being like wanting to become the SWAT team of music marketing because we felt like we had insights and uh, an understanding of um, the problems we were seeing or that I was seeing at at night, for example, in terms of like the difficulties with music marketing and which places that you want to create um, more touch points or attentions from in order to build your artists. Mm-hmm. Um, so like diving into that and then always focusing on um, like where the next generation's attention actually is. So not too much about like which platform uh, are they uh, like on right now, but rather like um, where, where do they focus their majority attention right now? So um, with that being said, it's like, when does it pivot to a new platform? And that's where we should be in that case. Um, so we've never been like a, a platform focused agency, but rather an attention focused one. How does, um, just, just, so, just to kind of piggyback off that, how do you do some of that research? How do you do some of the research and what do you think the next platform is going to be? I mean, I think it's always looking at where you see um, like high frequency in, in usage, I guess, uh, and seeing what culture generally talks about. Like if you look at, at um, TikTok, for example, um, two years back, you barely saw any content being distributed from TikTok onto other platforms. It was like a mixture of like Snapchat, Twitter, blah, 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 and a bunch of different platforms. But then you sort of see uh, this TikTok content over um, uh, powering that and and becoming a majority of the content that you start to see in the the feeds of other platforms. And I think that's something that we've seen in general coming from other platforms in the past time, like with Vine and everything that it sort of cross feeds and and drives the uh, native content um, creation. Um, and I guess where, where content is being created, that's where the, uh, the conversations and the discussions are at, at the time. And then, of course, you, you can see the, the general statistic, uh, like websites, uh, like talking about uh, downloads and, and usage, uh, etc. So I guess that also helps understanding where you want to be um, with that. It makes a lot of sense. Right. When it comes to, I mean, TikTok right now, I mean, it definitely seems like it's it's having its moment, but also is uniquely positioned to continue growing and become like a premier social platform. I know it just recently hit 2 billion downloads. Uh, yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, even if you just look at it, all these different social platforms are very like cyclical in nature, like five, ten, five, seven years ago, like yeah, book was very mm-hmm. dominant, and now Instagram is near the top of the class. I mean, it definitely seems like TikTok is well situated to not just be confined to the younger demographic where it's popular now, but to really yeah. kind of have an even bigger moment than it's having right now in the next couple of years. Do you do you yeah. think TikTok is just for younger audiences and is a fad, or do you think it's really here to stay and grow? No, I definitely think it's 
here to stay and grow. I, I guess it comes down to like regulations, of course, as well, in like major territories, such as like the US, like will it stay in the US, for example, mm-hmm. um, which is more about like uh, a, a political discussion that's being held uh, still. Um, but but I think in terms of the app and, and the way that it's impacted culture, yes, it will stay and it has grown in maturity in terms of like the different demographics that's on there, but not also, not only um, in terms of like which age group is on there, but also looking at what content verticals um, is being generated. Like we consider TikTok to be more like a super condensed short form of YouTube. Like mm-hmm. that's the way I try to look at it because a lot of people have this misconception of what TikTok is and that it's like a dance platform only. Like, oh, people go there to dance just as it was like musically, you went there to lip sync. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's so much more. It's like everything from photographers doing like travel vlog segments as well as like DIY um, pages uh, showing you how to create the best, uh, um, I don't know, like different types of, of things. But I feel like it's, it's a lot broader than a lot of people still understand, I think. And there's a lot of more content to, to discover and, and get um, uh, intrigued by. Um, Totally. Yeah. So I definitely want to dive into it because I know you have experience like building communities across TikTok as well as Instagram. So do you want to talk into kind of both of those, but would like to just kind of start with TikTok. I mean, can you just, yeah. prior to, I mean, we'll also revisit like running influencer campaigns in depth in a little bit, but for right now, I mean, when, if somebody is trying to grow their own audience on TikTok, like what sort of yeah. tips do you have on just generally the type of content that performs well on TikTok? Obviously it's a, a unique environment yeah. you can't just copy and paste instagram videos to tiktok so in your experience what sort of content yeah. wins on tiktok i mean if you compare it to like instagram um there's a few things that's quite interesting in terms of the differences on how, how to build um your platforms like on instagram you could build it on redistributing content like being an aggregated content account but with mm. tiktok mm-hmm. they don't let you do that since they um they analyze each video going up. And if they see that it's a repost of another user's account, they will automatically uh, decrease the, the reach of, of that um, that video going up. So it's definitely a, an original content platform. And that's where uh, you you will see um, growth coming from. And I think in terms of like finding your niche and sort of finding your tone of voice, I think there's a few parameters there to take into account. I think one is to stay authentic to your own brand, of course, which is probably the the most general thing for any platform that you're on, but also trying to um, see what unique voice that you can create for yourself that's not um, copying just what everyone else does. Like TikTok is a platform based on creativity. Like they want to see unique content being um, created. And, and also if you, if you take into account that TikTok has a much larger human factor to it, that there are a lot more people um, actively monitoring it from TikTok themselves, um, helping push content pieces that they find to be extra intriguing or extra unique in different ways. The more you can stand out with your content, the bigger are the chances that you will actually be, um, uh, be growing and be seen by those monitoring that can help you stand out and, and build your account. And, and like TikTok themselves are monitoring content from super micro users to mega macro. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's definitely a lot of 
possibilities if, if you are consistent in creating content that you feel is unique for yourself and your own um, channel in, in that way. Um, and also looking at other simple like tips and tricks in, in that space, um, like joining in on trends that feel to be uh, relevant for your brand. Like I wouldn't say that uh, if you're a uh, singer, songwriter, uh, artist, uh, that you would join in doing dance trends is probably not the most authentic way uh, for you to try to build um, more attention or get more attention to your account. And you wouldn't reach an audience that you would want, but um, rather than looking on how you can interpret that trend into your own setting and into your own way of um, communicating yourself, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, makes perfect sense. Right, right. So with that said too, I mean, it definitely does feel like a lot of people challenge are challenged by they may have a very distinct brand on a platform like Instagram, but when it comes to mapping that yeah. over to TikTok, it seems like a completely different sphere. Like, do you have any other tips when it comes to like how to take advantage of what sort of brand identity you have elsewhere, but position it in a way where it is likely to win on TikTok? Yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to um, understanding, so that Tik is a platform that premieres raw and rugged content in, in that sense. Like mm -hmm. if, if you allow yourself to sort of step out of the, the box of perfectionism that you, most people probably have when it comes to like Instagram, for example, um, if you allow yourself to be creative with the tools that TikTok provides, um, that's one way to just be more creative and being able to be consistent with less pressure quality of, of content. Mm -hmm. um, but also I think, um, if you have a very specific brand being that if you're a photographer, um, or if you are, um, a musician or artist of uh, any kind, um, I think it's seeing to like how you can benefit from that, um, and, and pulling that into to TikTok. Where I think, uh, someone that's super interesting on TikTok right now is a guy called Jordi Kolidic, um, who's like this photographer that has built his entire TikTok account on doing behind the scenes videos of how he creates his uh, photos. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, that's a great way of like making that a visual, um, like a video format of something that he used to do in like still format right. um, and, and trying to experiment with like, with that. I would say like a photographer in general would maybe be, um, if it's a photography account, it's, it's super high edited videos. Um, or uh, photos that look super crisp and super nice on, on Instagram, but it might be difficult to be personal with, with that. But then with TikTok, he's able to be a bit more personal and be a bit more communicative with his, um, his fans um, as well. So I think that's, uh, that's a part to... Uh, um, Do you think to. TikTok as a platform, when you compare it to Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, is, is generally a more personal platform and a little bit more behind the scenes? I think it's... Um, it opens up to be less boxed in by one's uh, own I ideals of what perfection is, uh, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, so that it, it allows for more creativity and, and more consistency in terms of there being less judgment in the type of content mm -hmm. that you create compared to Instagram, for example. Um, I think most people feel like Instagram is quite a lot of pressure when it comes to doing a post. I, I mean, at least for myself, mm -hmm. I, I definitely feel that. I, I know that there's a lot of 
like influencers or whatever that that feels the same thing but i i feel like um tiktok is a bit more of a collaborative platform in that way and it's based on collaborations um like it, it, interacting with each other's piece of content etc um so i think that makes it um at least easier to communicate through even though um i mean twitter is probably the most personal you can find this same with like maybe instagram stories mm. um but i think in terms of like creating a original content piece to live in a feed uh tiktok is definitely the easiest one out of the platforms yeah. right now makes a lot of sense right. when it comes to um specific tactics tactics to accelerate audience growth on tiktok i mean are there different things that you think people should be very conscious of as far as how different ways in which they can get more organic visibility and distribution like different things that may feed into the the algorithm and how the algorithm identifies what content they really want to push yeah i think there's a few things there like, like what we noticed in general is that um if there is a sound that is buzzing on the platform and building a lot of um traction um mm -hmm. usually your content will perform better if you use a successful uh, song on the platform mm -hmm. um and with that i wouldn't say maybe like a song from two years back that has 10 million videos created but more looking at a song that is um very current and and in the build building phase it can have uh may, maybe that it's generating like twenty five thousand new videos per day and mm -hmm. trying to uh, trying to sort of figure out which songs those are and jump on those trends uh, instead mm -hmm. because then it's much more likely for you to end up in in the explore feed just because um the sounds themselves are triggering um mm -hmm. a sort of relevance um parameter in the algorithm of tiktok that you have a higher possibility of ending up in the for you page um, right. So I think that's one. And then, of course, I think the hashtag game is always important to mm. uh, think about. Like, same with Instagram, uh, but looking at um, hashtags that aren't too big, not too small, but that are building and are relevant. Not necessarily only TikTok's own trending tags, but also looking at, uh, like, top influential creators and seeing what they are falling and, and what they are adding uh, to their posts to make their posts um, uh, perform better as well. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's a lot about identifying your niche and, and, and staying close to that community and sort of understanding where the community is, is looking towards in that sense. Yeah. When you mentioned cool. that like mid-tier songs that are trending and getting like 25K new videos per day, what sort of tools are you, uh, or like software is available to find the the songs in that sort of sweet spot yeah it, it's a bit difficult in that sense just because I, I mean i would say probably that when it comes to finding those songs as a creator mm -hmm. definitely looking in the um the charts of tiktok them uh, like tiktok's own charts in the app would probably be the easiest way to go about it mm -hmm. i feel like there's so many different tools right now that people are using to sort of track songs and progressions of like um, how many UGC creations has been created, like when doing a music marketing campaign, for example. Right. I think when it's when it's about uh, um, finding the ones to, to join in on, I think it's the easiest way is definitely to follow the TikTok charts um, as well as uh, trending tags. Uh, mm -hmm. as, and probably even, uh, once again, looking at the bigger, more influential influencers, such as like the Charlie D'Amelio's and the Addison Race, right. and looking what songs are they using. Because in the end, 
um, either they are being uh, <laughs> paid to promote the music, and in that mm-hmm. case, it, you will probably see a, a growth spur in that song, uh, or they're joining in on something organically where they will um, uh, boost that uh, song as well. So right. definitely um, looking towards the most influential influencers in your niche and trying to mm-hmm. um, uh, hop on what they're um, sort of uh, engaging with. Totally. Yeah, one tactic we've seen work well, and I'm curious your take on this too, but mm-hmm. like we have a guy on our team, uh, the Knox team, that he's an editor and he's mm-hmm. just like blown up on TikTok himself. He's got like 2.5 mm-hmm. million followers organically over the course of nine months. Oh, wow. And it's it's crazy too because it's also lifted his Instagram from 2K followers to 250K. So I think there's a lot of value oh, wow. too to like the viral <laughs> potential on TikTok and translating that to your own platforms. One tactic yeah. he mentioned is like, if, and I think similar to Instagram too, it's like uh, how well a post performs within the first like 30 to 60 minutes is kind of like the, oh, yeah. the social algorithms seeing whether or not it's worth giving this more organic distribution. So on TikTok, if he if yeah. his video didn't take off within the first hour, he'd, he'd delete it, do some little tweaks or adjustments to the actual video itself and then yeah. like repost the same video. I mean, you, you find that to be an effective tactic as well? Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like that's definitely something that we do ourselves as well when it comes to like influencer uh, campaigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if if we notice that something is is uh, underperforming um, compared to other posts on, on the page, uh, we most um, usually at least speak with the creator to take the post down and, and adjust uh, a few things to make it even um, uh, optimize it, it better for, for the audience uh, right. that they have. Um, so I definitely think that that's... that's a tech can do but i also think it's important to not look too much it depends on where you're at in your stage of the account like if you have built up data on the account where you understand what's performing better and what's performing worse uh, then i would say that that's a great way to look at it but i think if you're a new creator on the platform wanting to build um an audience uh, from from scratch i think it's more about uh, like having that consistency and and just being like allowing posts to tank because um, in the end, it's more about the amount of content that you put out uh, and constantly trying to learn from from the data of that mm-hmm. to then adjust and, and um, set a new strategy accordingly. Yeah, makes awesome, perfect sense. Awesome. Um, so in the past, we've seen algorithms change, obviously, for social media networks. Um, I'm pretty sure we all can remember when Facebook pages, for example, yeah. all of a sudden were, <laughs> were super throttled and you had to pay for ads in order to increase um engagement. Um, this is a question for from our, our Patreon, um, our patron Brady, that I'm also wondering mm-hmm. myself. Um, do you think that because of the adoption of TikTok, that the algorithm still favors uh, new talent as much as it used to? Or do you think that you've had to kind of change and shift over time, sort of like people did when, when Facebook began throttling organic reach? Yeah. I mean, right now, we're, we're definitely seeing that uh, micro users have a bigger tendency to trend than macro users. Uh, if you look at like what songs are having the, um, or like on songs, which which posts are having the biggest impact, um, it definitely looks like TikTok is favoring the smaller creators. Uh, they're keeping mm. the, the macro creators um, still at a favorable position, but um, we haven't seen any decline in, in smaller users um, mm. decreasing in reach. Um, I think that that might change um, sooner or later. I think comparing 
TikTok with Instagram and Facebook, TikTok has found other ways to monetize their platform than Instagram and Facebook has. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think they won't be as um, aggressive in, in the way that they change their ag- algorithms to start to monetize more. Um, while Facebook and Instagram have or, or continuously bring down the organic reach to incentivize um, ad spend on platform. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that we will see too much of that uh, on, an, on a micro creator perspective, at least. Um, like if you look at Instagram, uh, like people that have a thousand followers on Instagram are sort of incentivized to spend in order to be seen. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I feel like that's not the the road that TikTok wants to walk down on or the path that they want to walk down. Right. Um, it also seems to like TikTok, I mean, is in a unique position and is attracting a lot of creators given the likelihood of virality. Like it seems relatively speaking, yeah. like TikTok is the easiest platform to go viral on. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like we see a pattern all the time as well with like new creators on the platform that um, their reach is boosted in the beginning of the accounts being created like we have a guy in the office that has like 400 followers but he continuously gets like 50,000 views on each video that he mm-hmm. puts out mm-hmm. so it also looks like there's a tactic on TikTok side when it comes to getting active users and uh, and really giving them that carrot and like if you're active on this platform mm-hmm. you will be seen right. I think that's also been why TikTok has been so extremely successful is mm-hmm. because they have continuously um, uh, pushed people to create um, and giving them that like dopamine rush of, of confirmation when when posts go live. Yeah. Do you feel like there's any tactics? Because I know some pain points that people have is like they'll have a video that blows up, but it won't translate to lots of followers. Are there any specific things to keep in mind or little nuanced tactics to help boost that conversion? Yeah, I think um, a few of the things that we've seen uh, garners the most amount of followers is definitely original sounds. Um, like that's where you get the most attention of people wanting to to follow you and get more out of that. Like if it's comedy skits that people can replicate, uh, etc. Um, I think it's an interesting difference. Uh, also comparing Instagram to TikTok in terms of like how you could build your accounts there compared to on TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. Like on Instagram, it was like all about like the shout out game and like activating a bunch of different pages or working mm-hmm. with influencers that actively um, uh, tag you in their posts. But we haven't seen the same type of conversion happening when you do the same thing on, on TikTok. But it really seems to be centered around um, the amounts of posts that you can get that go viral together with um, the sounds that you get that can uh, attract, uh, attract attention. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. When it comes to cool, in- uh, go ahead, Jordan. Um, I was actually going to say literally the beginning of your sentence. Also, yeah. when it comes to like Instagram, um, and and the following that you did on your Instagram, what are some of the tactics that you used uh, to start when you when you barely had any followers, and how did you get it to grow? And this is yeah, for like goals of dancing, account- as well as other yeah, yeah, yeah. artists you work with. Yeah, for sure. Like um, when it comes to um both goals of dancing as well as like artist accounts um the difference when you like when we worked a media account such as goals of dancing which was all about like aggregated content was that it was quite mm-hmm. easy to um get a like nice ecosystem system of shout outs 
happening. Like we were growing our account by by promoting dancers. So a lot of the time they would promote us back in order to be seen on our page. Mm -hmm. So that would naturally just seed uh, attention to both our accounts, but also their accounts. Um, mm -hmm. But when it comes to like growing your brand on, on Instagram, I, I still think that the easiest way is to um, promote yourself through shout outs uh, on um, pages that you know your audience will be at. Also looking at like the type of fandom culture uh, around those accounts. Like if you want to build a, um, let's say you're a 16 year old uh, aspiring artist uh, that, um, let's say you're a, a guy that, I don't know, looks good. Uh, <laughs> or like a boy <laughs> guy. Uh, maybe you like can get Jordan. your content redistributed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, but like, you, you, like if you get your your content um, distributed, then on um, uh, on account with a relevant following, um, uh, and just actively do that, uh, you will see it, see a, a positive increase um, in your following quite quickly. And also make sure that in, in um, alongside those sort of external distribution tactics and, and shout out tactics, making sure your feed and the content that you put out is relevant to the audience that you want to attract. So making sure that um, uh, like the, the followers that you get to end up on your page actually gets what um, they have been promised. Um, and in the end, like the most important thing coming to talk and Instagram is like, always making sure that you're giving some sort of some value that they will want to stay there for. Um, especially looking on Instagram, like we're so um, tired of following new accounts. So it's a lot more difficult now to get uh, someone to actually push, like put, um, press that follow button compared to how it was like four years ago. Like when we mm -hmm. built Goals right. of Dancing, it was extremely uh, easy just because uh, Explore page was uh, at a really great place at that point uh, organic reach was great um and then since that decreased you need to find new ways of, of doing that and that's through forcing attention through these shout outs for example mm -hmm. and then when they get to your page making sure that they want to stay and that what you're actually communicating makes sense and is interesting enough to to stay mm -hmm. there for this is another question um, from our patron Brady that I'm also um, interested in myself is how do you define success on paid campaigns uh, on Instagram versus TikTok? So obviously we all know what viral looks like, right? Like millions yeah. of followers, millions of views, that yeah. sort of thing. Um, but how do you goal set? And then, and then uh, after that, how do you define what success is uh, after the campaign is over? Yeah, that's a good question. Like um, it, yeah, looking at the different platforms, uh, one can only control that much, right? Uh, awareness is, in the end, the only thing that you can sort of guarantee um, will happen in terms of, like, we know how many people we will reach by doing X amount of posts at whatever platform we choose to activate on. But if you look at um, Instagram, uh, a KPI there can, for example, be organic re, uh, reposts happening in the correlation with the uh, mm. activations that you're doing, like seeing that um, the meme, if you're going for like a meme community approach, for example, um, seeing that meme pages uh, within the niche that you targeted are uh, organically picking up on the post and using it as uh, content to grow their own pages with. I think that's the best factor of, of seeing success on, on Instagram and mm. making, seeing like how many people share the posts and actually want to um, bring that to attention of their friends, etc. Uh, when it comes to TikTok, um, I would definitely say that 
in the end of the day, what will impact culture and, and the behavior on the platform is making sure that you um, or is looking at wanting to affect the UGC creation, like user-generated content being created. Um, so I think that's what we're always striving for when we do our campaigns on, on TikTok specifically. Um, it's always to see how can we come up with a creative concept that we feel is simple enough for people jo to join in on or um, uh, as well as interesting enough to, to take part of and actually dedicating their time to recreate. Um, and it comes down to a few different things there. It's like uh, either it's a super simple thing that anyone can join in because it's easy or it's a super mm -hmm. advanced thing that people feel challenged by doing and therefore been out of curiosity of seeing if they're able to, to do the same, same thing. Um, and sense. in the end of the day, I guess in terms of like, uh, seeing if it's been a success or not, um, rounding up a campaign, it's looking at how have, has this converted either to streams on DSPs, um, or seeing like, how has this converted into cross-platform, um, movements? Like, do you see your content on TikTok being redistributed organically on mm. uh, Instagram, for example, um, et cetera. Mm. Can you, sp I mean, it's awesome. And it definitely seems like the record industry and music industry is like putting so much more money and seeing this as a effective means of promotion. Um, yeah. Arguably one of the most effective means of like paid media promotion. What, um, can you speak through specific examples of campaigns you guys have run from kind of the, what the song was and the initial opportunity or challenge and then, and then how you actually built out the challenge and how it took off? Yeah, like I, I'm actually not allowed to go into too much detail of probably a majority of the campaigns that we run, uh, but but a few I can like break down like an overview of it. But for mm -hmm. example, we worked a campaign um, in the UK for an act called Adnico, um, mm -hmm. who's with uh, Parlophone, and um, the song called Stupid, um, which we were seeing having like a great or organic traction already on the platform there was a few thousand videos being created uh, per day and we we saw that there was um uh, a direction of what content was going to work and uh what was not going to work so after like analyzing the, the content pieces already established on the platform uh we identified which trend we saw was gonna uh, connect with a majority of um, the users on platform, which was like a, a dance where people like having their hand, hand up in there and like moving their <laughs> uh, hips. Uh, <laughs> and then with that, it was like a six week campaign. So we planned out execution over several different territories and activating influential creators um, on the platform um, accordingly with how we saw it reacting um, uh, in those territories. So like when we saw that something was starting to pop up in Australia. We had like three big Australian influencers ready to be activated um, and trying to simultaneously activate markets um, just because we already know, knew that there was an interest for the challenge uh, and mm -hmm. an interest for the song in general. Um, so it was more about making sure that it could reach as many people and as many different territories as possible um, in an aligned way, creating multiple touch points at the same time. So make sure that people that was um, hit by these videos or was uh, seeing these videos on platform, were seeing them um, very frequently so that it would be more likely for them to join in and seeing it as an organic trend happening. Um, and in the end of that, it was also like sort of adapting to other trends happening at the same time. For example, when we ran this campaign, 
was during Halloween. So it was like also then trying to integrate like a Halloween theme mid campaign and, and trying to like uh, hop on hashtags that was relevant for the platform at the time and trying mm -hmm. to sort of hijack attention where attention could be found um, at the time. Uh, and then I think in the end, when when we were done with that, um, that campaign, uh, it had hit like number one most viral list on Spotify uh, in the world, um, as well as I think now it's up at more like 4 million videos created. And we've seen similar things happening before. Um, and I think a trend that we've been seeing as well is like also being reactive to when uh, original sounds uh, are being created um, for the song. So um, like I, I'd say the biggest songs on the platform have has had two sounds simultaneously building um, at the same time and then finding a way to sort of um, jump in and see how you can cross feed sounds um, between each other uh, and activating influencers per sound to sort of keep the relevance um, of the the full song, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Right. It's super lit. Um, <laughs> when it comes to, uh, I mean, budgeting, and I do think we want to, uh, I think we want to start diving into some like questions that would really just help people get up and running and run campaigns on their own. I, I definitely think it's like if an artist has like a significant budget or is working with a label, then they should mm -hmm. definitely work yeah. with you guys. <laughs> oh, but I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of people that, um, are smaller emerging artists that might need to just roll up their sleeves and get the job done on themselves. Uh, yeah. I think it'd be helpful to dive into some of the different yeah. tactics there. I mean, for starters, definitely can you talk about just like budgeting. I know, um, Ethan had a question around like, do we even think it's worth it for independent artists with smaller budgets? Or I know I've spoken with you too, and you've had yeah. some insights around it. Like, yeah, I mean, below this point, it really just doesn't make sense to even run it. Like, it's probably not going to take off. So, for the, for starters, yeah. like, how do you think about budgeting, and and what is kind of like a minimum effective threshold for allocating budget towards a campaign? Yeah, I think that's a super interesting question because I think it comes down to which part of like the lifespan of, of the song that you're in as well as like the stage of the career of the artist that you're working. Mm -hmm. I think that without any budget, you can get quite a lot happening. Like you can have zero budget, but have a lot of time. And with that being said, speak with a lot of micro creators on the platform that has mm -hmm. like 5,000 up to 20,000 followers that would be interested in promoting your song just because um, they uh, get half or like they're happy about the confirmation of someone seeing them as a, um, a, a creator with influence on the platform. I think mm -hmm. it's important to not look away from the power of um, like, I, uh, like identifying and confirming someone else mm -hmm. in, in that way. And, and we've seen several of those campaigns. Like we had a campaign for, I think it was a thousand dollars that we run ran three weeks ago that amassed, 13 million views on TikTok, which mm -hmm. is like, um, and I think we were able to get 25 creators involved of which no one had more than 50,000 followers mm -hmm. um, where the right creators went viral within, within that um, activation where we just saw that if you can allocate that time towards a project, um, I think we had one person working full time 
for uh, yeah five days just speaking with a bunch of different creators and 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 figuring out how to get them involved um, in a nice way and incentivizing them in different ways that they saw value coming from. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, I think it's also smart looking at like how you can bring value to those creators um, in a micro mm-hmm. stage and seeing like if you have a following on Instagram, maybe a value can be that you barter um, like reposts on your Instagram uh, stories. Um, and validating them through that platform uh, by having them uh, then create content on TikTok. So I, I think um, as a first answer to your question, I think it's possible to do it without any budget if you want to, and if you have the time to actually just speak with a bunch of mm-hmm. people and, and and build relationships. Mm-hmm. But um, if you want to go uh, serious and, and and start planning uh, to execute a campaign, um, if if you have had a song out for a while and you're seeing some organic traction happening. Like let's say you've been able to amass like two thousand videos created. Mm-hmm. Um, like usually we'd say probably like five thousand dollars is probably what you want to spend in order to get uh, impact for real on the mm-hmm. platform and being able to activate influencers that can actually drive um, some sort of um, uh, like cultural movements or whatever. Uh, so I, I think that's like a very solid um, amount that one can spend to see some pretty nice results. Yeah. Um, but everything from 3000 up, I would say is, is a healthy amount of spend, um, to get a, a good amount of creators involved that can hopefully drive uh, a trend, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's playing around with those different things. And then also seeing like when you've been able to amass a, a first phase of attention on TikTok, how can you work other platforms to further validate the trend happening mm-hmm. there? Like you can... You can, through Twitter, uh, Instagram, YouTube, activate pages that highlight TikTok content uh, and talk about it um, to, to sort of make it look like there's a trend happening without there ever having been a trend happening. Yeah. And with that, then feedback attention to the platform to further build um, this feeling of like this ur- sense of urgency that you want to join in on it. Right. We've seen that that has been some of the most effective things being able to redistribute content from TikTok onto other platforms to bring back attention. I think everyone has seen these like YouTube compilation um, pages that have mm-hmm. a bunch of like TikTok compilations and, and, and such. Um, and I, I think, yeah, trying to be creative with the ways that you can um, get people to see what you're doing uh, at as many and create as many touch points as possible mm-hmm. is, is what's important, especially looking at like Gen C being the focus group of, of TikTok still and like the majority mm-hmm. users um, like see where you can trigger the, like or catch their attention in as many different places as possible to ensure that they feel like this is relevant enough for me to join in on. Because I right. think that's an important uh, difference between like millennials and Gen Z is looking at um, the, their way of viewing content creation. Like millennials are extremely like purpose driven. Everything that they do needs to come with like a purpose. It's like you won't post <laughs> something on Instagram unless you really feel like I can stand by this. This is me, and this is the way I want to communicate myself. And it becomes such a like, uh, yeah, you put a lot of pressure on that compared to like Gen Z, where they're like, we're just a creative generation. We just want to create as much entertainment as possible. And and it's very interesting to see that in their communication of them being so much more frequent in what they're posting compared to the older generations. Um, so it's, it's a lot more likely that they will get involved and create more to your content than millennials will do, for example. And then seeing how can you trigger them to do that in that case. 
in order to drive a trend on, for example, TikTok. Right. Um, I have one question. Um, mm -hmm. It's sort of from someone from from Danny, one of our patrons, um, but I'm going to mm -hmm. change the question a little bit. His is how does TikTok transfer to other platforms slash areas we've sort of already touched on? I yeah. kind of want to know in, in your experience, what does a, a, a viral fan from a TikTok campaign look like? So do you guys know if they're if they are finding um, music on TikTok? Do they go to shows? Do they buy merchandise? Do you guys have any information on what type of fan um, TikTok users uh, generate? I mean, I can only look at sort of more a broader cultural perspective of like Gen Z and sort of how the fandom within um, today's youth looks like in comparison to older. Um, mm. Like, of course, like a huge phenomenon on in, in the US, I would say it's the whole like Stan Twitter movement. Um like mm -hmm. um, with yeah people uh identifying themselves as stans, being super fans for specific artists and um dedicating themselves to um live for their um idols. Uh, I mean we've seen this in every every generation but um what's interesting is that the, the Stan Twitter sort of whirling community um it's a lot more collaborative than it has been in the past. Like when millennials were believers and everything, um, I feel like there was a, a much, much more friction between the different fan fandoms in general. Like either you were a fan of Justin Bieber and then you hated fans of, I don't know, Sean Mendes, but <laughs> in the way that it works now, it's, it's, it's less about my idol is better than yours, but more about like, okay, we share this, this uh, passion for idolizing our uh, um, uh, our heroes and our our, our idols, so mm -hmm. we're going to be a strong community and supporting each other within within us being fans uh, and excluding mm -hmm. ourselves from those not being. So I, I think looking at the types of fans that we see, or, or if how it cross promotes to different platforms, like I think a great example mm -hmm. of a creator that has had that other than like Charlie D'Amelio, of course, is uh, the dancer, just um, Michael Lee, I think he's called, uh, just Michael, um, who has been building his following on Instagram for, I don't know how many years. And it's, it's he's been super consistent and like delivering super high quality content, but it hasn't, didn't connect to the degree that he got like true fans. But then after TikTok sort of lifted him up, He's now has this like huge army of people following him of wanting to do uh, everything to, to get his attention, and I think that um, in general, the younger you are, the more, uh, the less filtered you are, and the more you act on emotions, uh, which mm -hmm. probably then brings um, more, um, like you want to engage more and more frequently the attention of of those that you mm -hmm. support. Um, so, I mean, I haven't seen specifically what a fan from TikTok looks like, but seeing fans in general today compared to before, I feel like people are a bit more, maybe even more respectful now in one way mm -hmm. uh, from how I've seen them interacting with, with like artists um, in real life, um, but also in the way that they support them online. Um, so I, I don't know if that answers the question, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it does. I think it does. I think it's. I think what you're saying, it's more type of. It's more the fan that happens to be a TikTok user than 
what TikTok users are actually giving to campaign. It's more of yeah. like a generational thing. And that ha- and the and the catalyst for that or the funnel for that is just TikTok. Yeah. I agree with that. Dope. To kind of circle back on like the blueprint for running these campaigns, when it comes to um, like developing challenges, real real quick, and I, I know we're getting towards the end of our time, so yeah, what separates kind of a good versus great challenge, or like when you're trying, when somebody wants to come up with a challenge that has legs to really go viral, which is truly the goal here, like what factors do you keep in mind for evaluating and brainstorming challenges? Yeah. I think one of the things is a low barrier of entry. It should be easy for people to join in on it. Um, the second is making sure that it's current and relevant. It's like, for example, no one uses hashtag, like the hashtag blah, blah, challenge anymore. Like that will <laughs> directly kill the reach of, of the post that you're trying, or not the reach of the post, but it won't make people um, more intrigued to join in on it compared to what it was just a few months ago. So I I think it's it's about staying relevant with understanding how the communication on the platform is between mm-hmm. the creators themselves, mm-hmm. um, but also looking mm-hmm. at like okay, what are we seeing um, uh, is more frequent in like choreographies, for example, right now, where in terms of the skits people are doing, is it still comedy or are they going for a different approach now? Like for example, there was a time where or it still is where like the POV trends were overtaking. Um, comedy scale was super popular um a few months back uh, i think it's still popular but you, you constantly see small optimization or adaptations within the platform that, that sort of changes the um the relevance of people wanting to join in on it mm-hmm. and, and i think it, it's mm-hmm. very like that is very sensitive and and for ourselves like we work very closely with the leading creators that we um, use for our campaigns to to know what is relevant and what is not. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, trying to stay close to the platform to not have like a boomer approach to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And then once you kind of have the challenge built, like how do you um, go about like finding relevant influencers? Obviously, it's like you want to find people that are in kind of your niche and whose audience would likely want to consume yeah. and create other content. So it's it's trying to strike that balance of like scale and relevance. Uh, yeah. But can you talk about like if I, Jordan has a single that he's been sitting on for a while and is ready to hire <laughs> some influencers. Like how does he go about finding uh, the, the people that he should work with? And that and Jordan does have yeah. that sitting around. I can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> the e-boy Jordan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, no, I think the, the way to go about that is um, a few parameters um, within that. One is like the budget that you're looking to allocate. If you have a small budget, it might be smarter to go. like And also thinking like, okay, do I want to create mass awareness or do I want to create mass engagement? Um, creating mass engagement probably costs you more money than just going for awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, some genres have a higher likability of um, a higher possibility of of entering sort of this organic recreation of it um, uh, on different creators. So, for example, like EDM, we have seen that that works generally works better um, within like sound tracking pages communities. And uh, with that, I mean like uh, DIY pages or or pages where 
you use the song as a way to enhance the content that you're putting out. So it's, it's more mm. like a, a mood setter than something else. But if it's like a pop song or a hip hop song, um, definitely it, it's more about finding those influencers that you think um, or feel will be able to engage their audience in a way that has their audience to join, join in. So if you have um, a single that you want to put out, First of all, looking, uh, going over the influencers that you want, possibly want to activate. One is um, seeing their uh, overall engagement, seeing like, okay, is this an influencer that I know will generate good numbers? Um, but then other than that, also like how how new is this creator and, and how how much have they grown in, in the past? Like, are we seeing, like, for example, we, we made it that's just like amazing 87-year-old man called uh, Granddad Joe on the platform. Um, who's built his uh, content on him being 87 years old and using TikTok. <laughs> and it's like That's super, <laughs> super uplifting and, and, and nice uh, content to look at. And uh, with him, for example, um, he was just on, or he's still on the rise. He's, he's building quite free, uh, like his numbers are um, increasing quite, quite a lot. Um, but like for him, um, like we found him when he was in, in quite the early stages of his account and was amassing huge um, uh, reach and, and huge engagement in the post mm -hmm. that he was uh, creating. So he was a, a great creator to involve at that point because he hadn't done too many um, campaigns in the past and was very like intrigued by testing that out. So we right. could, through that and of course get favorable um, like uh, rates from him uh, mm -hmm. of, of activating him. And I think it's about trying to see that like if you have a limited budget or in general, if you want to get the most bang for the buck, it's like finding those influencers that, you know, um, uh, haven't been super exploited so that they are extremely expensive. Right. And also those that want to be extremely collaborative in, in their content. Like, for example, um, like going with a super established influencer, they probably post three promoted posts like per day or at least they post three times per day so you mm -hmm. know that your the 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 time span of attention that you will get for your content going live on their page will probably be quite little compared to someone not being as frequent in posting but dedicating more effort into the quality of the content that they are creating mm -hmm. so i think it, it's, it's sort of finding those creators like who will be the most dedicated of the product that i'm trying to promote and with that also then seeing like who will be um, the best investment for me in terms of how much will they charge uh, compared to, to the um, passion that they bring into the project. Yeah. Um, so, so building out lists from that basically, it, it might sound a bit all over the place, but <laughs> that's how we try to see it, at least when we're, we're building up the influencers. Not always going with the same ones that we just know drive results, but rather go with the ones that we see are most fit for each individual project and, and treating each individual project as just that. Yeah, right. for sure. Um, yeah. Do you have, do you have a hard stop? Cause I have one last question, but I do realize. No, no, no. Dope. Okay. It's so super fun. Yeah. When it, uh, when it comes to the, the last question, when it comes to like running these campaigns, and I think you've given a great blueprint that'll be super helpful for the artists that need to kind of get their hands dirty on their own. Um, in my experience, like we've run some campaigns on our end. There's been instances where we've paid influencers or people that like manage other influencers and are able to help kind of like just broker deals on our behalf. 
um, issues where maybe like we've come up with the challenge and then the influencer doesn't stick to the challenge or they're not using the, the right yeah. hashtags or one thing, maybe you're trying to have the campaign happen over a specific time span. And next thing you know, the campaign is just like dragging on. So yeah. for those specific instances, like timing campaigns and making sure people are using the appropriate hashtags and delivering upon the challenges, yeah. like how do you approach that to, in a way to drive the most impact and not get burned by influencers? Yeah, I think one important thing is to make it very clear what the terms are for involvement in the campaign. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, we are very clear in like in our briefs to the influencers what we want them to do and not to do, especially the not to do. So we have a very clear list in that and where we're basically also saying like, if you don't follow this, we we won't pay you. Like, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and of course, that's more about like uh, both like legal stuff, stuff that they can't like they can't like harm someone in their videos and stuff like that but also like in terms of um make sure that they tag the 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 right uh, people or hashtags as well as make sure that they are um during like going live during the time frame of, of the campaign that we agreed upon um uh, if they don't follow that we we simply won't uh, pay or we will charge back if it's being paid through paypal or whatever so i think it's it's uh, it's important to understand also that if you're investing like a thousand bucks into a creator, um, that's a thousand dollars that they are getting to do a uh, well done job uh, with. Um, and I think it's it's understanding also um, like respecting the mutual agreement that one has um, with them. But, but also, I think as uh, people underestimate this, also being personal with them. Um, and taking the time to be personal with them when you're doing a campaign. For example, we try to, as often as possible, actually have a call with the creators before they go live. Because just having that personal connection with someone, like hearing someone's voice, will make them a lot more um, uh, engaged in the campaign and feel like, okay, I'm actually doing this towards another person, not just another email. Mm-hmm. So I think like doing that, you will get, or we've always seen that every time we take a phone call with the creator, we get a different type of dedication from them. I feel mm-hmm. like they want to work the campaign with us. So it's not just another paid promotion, but actually a project that they will see um, success coming from if it works mm-hmm. out well. So right. I think uh, being personal with them as well and seeing seeing that is, is a, a very great thing to to do. Dope, man. Awesome. I think uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we're gonna have a lot of stars coming out of this episode, listeners today, man. I think we've had <laughs> some so, yeah. uh, some very very valuable insights surrounding the this this wonderful world of TikTok, man. So, um, <laughs> Jordan, you got anything? I think that sums it up. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, man. Yeah, so it's, it's been a, a huge pleasure having you on, man. I think what you're up to with Creed is incredible. I definitely want to encourage our listeners to to reach out if they need help running these sorts of campaigns and. Uh, Keep on keeping on, man. Thank you for coming out today. All right. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Cheers. Damn, well, that was good, bro. What'd you think? Yeah, man. I mean, like I said in the intro, TikTok is sort of the wild, wild west, especially for me. Um, And there were a lot of things that I learned just about TikTok as a platform that I didn't even know, you know, was a thing. Like, I had no idea that TikTok rewarded 
micro influencers more than they did major influencers. And I'm sure that changes Creed's strategy and how they approach projects constantly. I'm sure that changes everybody's TikTok strategy. And I had no idea that was a thing. So um, mm-hmm. I went on TikTok right after the episode and actually just looked at a few of my friends' TikTok channels. They only have like, you know, 200 followers, 300 followers, but some of their videos have like thousands and thousands of streams. And I was able to see it like firsthand right when I got off. So just him knowing things like that and be able to provide actionable advice, I thought was was super awesome. Totally agree, man. Tim's a, Tim's a legend. He's a TikTok king. I think super grateful to have him peel the curtains the way, peel the curtains back the way he did. I think he runs... TikTok campaigns for lots of the best and brightest in the music industry. A lot of different labels, major labels, smaller labels, management companies. I think he's uh, one of the best in the business and was very transparent about his process and different tactics, not only from how to run like influencer campaigns, but even from a social growth standpoint. And I think for you guys too, it's like the listeners, I mean, don't A, be discouraged from the power of TikTok if you don't have a budget to run an influencer campaign. Even if you do want to do an influencer campaign, um, you can do it for free by leveraging the fact that you have time and focusing on smaller influencers. And then the, the last thing too is I think you don't need to focus only on running influencer campaigns. I think you should focus on building up your own profile. I think there's tons of virality potential on the platform for you to just create fun, engaging content, play to different trends and just blow up on TikTok. So I think uh, definitely grateful to have Tim on, the, uh, on today talking about it. I think couldn't be more bullish on TikTok as a platform. So just get start the clocks TikTok and get your ass on that platform. Let's get it. <laughs> and that's all. That's all for me today. What, what do you think, Jordan? Any any last thoughts? Nah, man. I think that's it for me, dude. All right. Peace. See you guys.